Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thanks for a new year. Thanks for another Sunday, another week where we can come together in your house. We pray for everybody who's gathered here, Lord, that our our hearts would be good soil, ready to receive from you. We pray for those of our body who are not able to be with us this morning, Father. We remember those who are taken by illness and who are, for other reasons, unable to join with us today. We pray that your blessing will be with them, whatever the reason for their absence is. In Jesus' name, amen. It is that time of year. Anybody make a New Year's resolution? No, no New Year's resolutions. Nobody, nothing. I'm not really one for New Year's resolutions either. I do make changes in my life, and I do tend to look, you know, I tend to look more at the start of the month than I do at the start of the year. So I don't reserve them for January. But we often do at this time of year. So did did anyone make one? I'm not gonna ask you to share. Don't worry, I won't. Did anyone make a New Year's promise? Has anyone broken their New Year's resolution already? No? All right, we're doing all right. I, uh, I saw a, a webcomic that really pleased me this week. Uh, the guy was making a New Year's list of New Year's resolutions, and he said, I've, I always break these. Here's hoping this year's no different, as he wrote down, get fat, never go to the gym, start smoking. <laughs> so the next panel has uh, him in February and he, the guy's just ripped and he's pulling on, on his weights and his kid's there with his list and he goes, you're doing terrible this year. He says, I know. <laughs> Reverse psychology. We often make um, resolutions in a couple of areas. We make them in areas of health. Maybe we're trying to lose weight. Maybe we're trying to get to the gym more often. In areas of money. Maybe you want to eat out less this year, which would also relate to health, I suppose depending on where you tend to eat out. Sometimes we make spiritual resolutions. Sometimes we make relational resolutions. Sometimes we resolve, I'm going to be more diligent about taking my wife out on dates this year. (laughs) Anyone? Anyone? No? Okay. All right. The Bible loves this idea that we want to be better. And that kind of surprises because we tend to think in terms of, oh, God does his thing, and it's not so much about us, but the Bible does have a lot to say about our effort. For example, in Philippians 12, or 2 verse 12, commands us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Romans 12, 2 commands us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. The Bible has lots to say and really approves of this idea that we try to be the best version of ourselves, and in fact, the version that God intends us to be. The Bible also says that God has predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. It likes the idea that we don't stay the same. Many of us say God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. Most resolutions could be summarized simply as, I want to be better. I want to be the better version of me. And what could be the more important element in being a better version of you than getting closer to God? We're starting a new series. We're just going to be doing it for a couple of weeks at the beginning of the year. But because the Bible likes the idea of a better us, we thought we'd talk about it too. So my wish for you is a happy new you. That's the name of our series that we're going to be starting is Happy New You. We thought we'd play on a little bit of Happy New Year. And um, our first element will be the idea of getting closer to God because God changes so much when we're closer to him. God is the source of all good things. 
Think about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, diligence. Almost anything that we think of as normal New Year's resolutions type things would come up under a list like that. If you want to try to lose weight, you need some diligence in your life. You want to try to have some better relationships, you need some love in your life. You need some patience in your life. There's a lot of things that fall under what we get as we get closer to God that we want in the better version of our lives. To that end, we're going to take a look at the life of Peter. Now, we missed Peter this fall. We were supposed to talk about Peter in our, in our series on the uh, encounters of Jesus, but we missed him. I don't know if you remember, we had an ice storm and we had to miss Sunday one, one week. So we thought we'd revisit him now. But the first thing that we get when we look at what happens as we get close to God from the life of Peter is we receive a revelation of our own need of God. If we look at Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, this is one of the Gospels talking about when Jesus meets Peter. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, Simon is also Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Better acoustics, I guess. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've been working hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Especially verse 8. Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Peter had this opportunity to be close to Jesus. And the first thing that he realizes is, whoa, I am not worthy to be this close to you. You are way better than me, and this is very bad. It's a little bit reminiscent of Isaiah's call. I don't know if you remember, Isaiah gets called and he says, Woe to me, I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And this is one of the things that happens when we get, we get close to God. We realize just how badly we need him. That we are so far removed. And it kind of creates this feedback loop. And it's a good thing. You know, we go, we go, wow, I really need God. I need to dig into him. And then the more we dig into him, the more we go, wow, I really need God. And then we have to dig into him more. And then we say, wow, we really need God. And what's weird about that is it suggests that if you feel like, ah, things between me and God are pretty okay, that you might actually be further than you think. Because being close to God usually creates a heightened awareness of our need for him. Fortunately, even when we experience this distance, the, the closeness with God is still the answer. In fact, Peter has a wonderful story in his life about forgiveness and restoration. You see, 
Jesus gets captured. We're jumping over to the end of the Gospel of John now. But Jesus gets captured by the Romans and the, the, the spiritual leaders, and they, he's crucified. And in that process, some of the people say to Peter, hey, aren't you with him? And Peter denies him. Peter says, no, no, I, I have no idea who he is. And he gets pretty adamant about this. He ends up swearing oaths in front of people, saying, I have no idea who this is. And he just completely betrays and turns his back on Jesus. It's a, it's a very sad story. But it ends well. Because even though Peter turns his back on Jesus, Jesus doesn't turn his back on Peter. Let's read John chapter 21, verses 5 to 17. You know what, we're going to start at verse 2. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathanael from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Sounds like another story we read this morning. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire, burning, a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come, have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This is the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Peter made three rejections of Jesus. He made three public denials. And Jesus asked him three times to reaffirm his love to him. And not only did Jesus forgive him, but he reinstated him. When Peter got close to Jesus, not only did he find forgiveness, but he found a revelation about his purpose. Jesus said to him, this is what I have for you. I want you to feed my lambs. I want you to take care of my sheep. Peter would go on to be the first great leader of the early church. Actually, the first leader of the church overall, early or otherwise that when he got close to Jesus, the purpose for his whole life came out. That Peter didn't have to just go back to what he knew because he didn't have anything else going on. Peter didn't have to wander aimlessly. My wife and I have a bit of a joke 
when sometimes I go into the, go into the kitchen and I'm a little aimless, do you ever do this? You go and you kind of open the fridge, and you close the fridge, and she'll often ask me, what are you looking for? And I'll say something like, purpose. <laughs> a reason to go on. Okay, it's not that bad, but it's usually me realizing I am wandering aimlessly. What am I doing? Why am I doing this? But we do this in life. We wonder, why am I here? What am I doing? What is the point of all of this? And when we get close to Jesus, that answer comes out. And that answer isn't the same for all of us. His answer to you isn't necessarily feed my sheep. Don't feel like you have to drop what you're doing and go into full-time ministry. But the answer is there, and Jesus wants to give it to you. Finally, when Peter gets close to Jesus, he has a revelation about his priorities. Later in the book of Acts, Peter and John, this is after Jesus has risen from the dead and ascended back to heaven. Peter and John are heading into the temple and there's a beggar. It's a well-known story and it's very loved and it's got one of the best like, one-liners in the Bible. Like, I love this one. The guy is asking for money and Peter says to him, silver and gold have I none, but what I have... I give to you. And he pulls the guy up, and the guy's healed. And it's amazing. It's a crazy story. But it, uh, it's not really a good news for the religious leaders around, and they decide that they're not going to make this good news for Peter and John, and they have them arrested. And they pull them in, and they tell them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. This is in Acts chapter 4. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. The Sanhedrin, after further threats, let them go. Peter and John received a whole bunch of threats. And the truth is, they left this encounter terrified. Because you keep reading this, and they go back to the rest of the church, and the whole church, the immediate response is to throw up a prayer. And it's not the sort of prayer that we're norm we normally expect. The prayer reads, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by, our by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? They, they offer up this prayer, and they basically say, God, you are in charge of everything. Please save us. And they're terrified. And when they're finished praying, the house shakes. I'll read it. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And in fact, chapter 5 has them encounter the Sanhedrin again. In verse 40, they get called in because they have been preaching. Because how could they not? And this time, the Sanhedrin flogs them. But they don't leave terrified. Instead, the apostles left rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. And day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Peter knew who he was there to please. Peter had his priorities in line because he had been close to Jesus and when two competing interests came up, he knew which one to pick, and he knew immediately which one to pick. Peter was scared, but he didn't, there was no waffling there. We read the story. So many of us are distracted by good things, 
that we miss God things. That we do, we do things that we know are good things to do, but we miss the things that God has called us to. And as we cl- draw close to God, we get those, those priorities revealed for us. So how can we get close to God? How can we do that? I've talked a lot about that today. How about five really quick, sort of easy ways? We'll just kind of shotgun these at you. The first one, community. Come to church. You're doing it. Check that one off your list. Boing. Get involved with a community. Be involved in a small group. Have some spiritual friendships where you actually get together and talk about God and not just the latest hockey game that you, in your relationships, in the community around you, are driving you to be closer to God. This is one of the ways of being closer to God. Secondly, prayer. But not just talking at God. It's one thing to sit in your prayer corner or wherever it is that you decide to do it and just blah, 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 blah at God for 30 or 40 minutes and then walk away. And I mean, you'll feel better, I'm sure you will. But prayer isn't just about talking to God, it's also about hearing God. It's about calming and listening and being quiet so that you receive. How about the Word? Reading your Bible, studying it, listening to sermons. Check that one off too. Ka-ching. The Bible is God's Word to us, and it is the best way for us to receive God's thoughts into our own. How about service? Volunteering as part of God's mission. Being part of what God is doing is a great way to draw closer to God. And the last one, how about worship? Singing together, singing in your car, or giving, maybe. There are many different ways of worshiping God and expressing that in your life and of telling God that you are the number one in my life. And this is where we get to be a little more emotional than some of the other ones. And many of us really enjoy that. I really like worshiping and singing. And sometimes I like it more than reading my Bible. And there's nothing wrong with that. Doesn't mean I don't read my Bible. But what's yours? What's the way that you can connect with God? What's the way that you can find that the whole rest of your day is going to be different because you connected with God? Because there is nothing that should be the same about your day after you've been touched by the divine. But we don't all meet God the same way. We don't all lock ourselves in the prayer room for 30 minutes by ourselves and pray and read the Bible. For some of us, that sounds like torture. For some of us, that sounds like heaven. The young mothers in my life seem to think that sounds like a great idea. 30 minutes away from the kids? But for some of us, we need to be around other people. And don't be ashamed of that, but we have to find it. Being close to God is the only way that we can make true and lasting change in our lives. So as we head into a new year, I encourage you to put that right on top of your list. Get closer to God. Make this the biggest priority because everything else afterwards will fall into place. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the stories that you've given us. Thank you for the examples that you've given us to follow. Thank you for, especially for your spirit, Father, that you live within us, that you give us your power and your ability. We pray, Lord, that you would be hard at work in us. We pray that we would be receptive to your work and that we would be the people that you ask us to be. Jesus name. Amen.